your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. Earth to Josh. Kia How's it going, Josh, from the Stardome? <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit corny. I apologise, everyone, that was very corny. But if there's anyone in the no, world no. that's actually going to appreciate it, it'd be you, eh, Josh? Like, you'd actually, you'd actually, yeah, you actually yeah. wouldn't find that that corny. You'd be quite impressed by that, wouldn't you? I've had all the greetings, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Josh from the Stardome, uh, welcome to Space Out. We're talking, we're kicking, kicking things off this evening with a bit of news about the Perseverance rover, which has been on Mars for one year. Mm, been a big year. So it had its uh, one-year birthday, which was the nineteenth of February. Do they do anything? Do they celebrate that, or do they just all sort of look around, give each other a round of applause, and pr- press on with the collecting? <laughs> yeah, data? I mean, it's probably it's probably a lot of pats on the back um, for Mission Control. And rightfully so, ago, rightfully so. Yeah, oh, massive achievement. I remember actually um, back in it was twenty thirteen when the previous rover had its birthday. They actually sent um, commands for the rover to sing like "Happy Birthday" tune to itself, which it did. <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, sounds the loneliest birthday in the universe. <laughs> oh, totally! It, was, it sounds really depressing, but it was kind of cute. And now so was it was sort of like Stephen Hawking uh, voice. It was like, "Happy Birthday to me! Happy Birthday to me!" <laughs> Honestly, it, it kind of was. It was like a binary oh. code. It was like beeps and bops. So, Just shows how much human beings enjoy celebration, eh? Yeah, know? it was pretty cute though. So, no, what do we mean, weirder from the back? It was suddenly this hip hip comes out from somewhere, eh? It's like, what? Hey, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> uh, what's next for the Perseverance? What, what's uh, what's on the cards for the next 12 months? Yeah, so they've, um, they've basically finished their first what they call science campaign. So they've kind of really, you know, set it through its paces. They've come over a lot of obstacles. Um, they know how everything works really well now. Um, so they're now going to be boosting the rover to the delta, the river delta. They've confirmed that where it landed is a used to be a river, a big lake. Um, so they're going to be boosting it to that delta, and that's where they think um, you know the best evidence for potential past fossilized life might be. So that, that's going to be a really exciting thing. My heart just um, skipped a beat there when you said that. That sounded really exciting when you said that. Oh, it, it's super exciting. Um, yeah, I think the last year has been pretty kind of low-key in terms of science, but, yeah, to get to that river delta is going to be really exciting. Do they, do, they have some, do they have some sort of um, issues? I guess initially they, weren't, they wouldn't be sure exactly just... I mean, they would have done all the, all as, as much theoretical stuff as they could have, but the actual, mm. the actual sort of how long will this machine of ours survive in that climate that none of us have ever been to and, you know, and what factors are going to sort of... Either either add to that or, or or knock a bit of lifetime off it. You know, like what like you mean? They must have had sort of um, they must they must have a rough idea now of what the conditions are like and how long things are going to last and what they can expect mm. to do under those conditions. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing. These these all these rovers that go to Mars, the places they're landing are always new locations that we've not been to. Um, and you know, we can study Mars from above you know as much as we can, but you're never really not going to know what those conditions are like until we get to those specific areas. Um, and, you know, the rover itself, it's, it's got to basically dodge these big kind of boulder fields, these massive sand dunes that it can't travel through. Um, but in terms of the rover itself, so like the hardware, I mean, these things are really, really hardy. Um, mm. Like the previous rover, Curiosity, was it was only meant to be there for about two years. Um, that's going to be celebrating its 10th birthday this year too, and it's still going. So, yeah, these things are really built hard for those conditions, um, and hopefully we're going to get another, you know, probably 10, maybe 15 years out of Perseverance. Mm-hmm. See, that's a, really what a triumph of human engineering. You know? mm. Yeah, and I think the other great thing about this mission too is um, it carried that, that little helicopter that it's, 
that it's currently traveling with called Ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was designed to last for about 30 days and do about five flights. Um, it's still working, so it's now been there for a year, and it's done almost 20 flights. It's like a little sidekick. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like a little drone. Like Check it out, Ingenuity. <laughs> well, on that note, has, has Ingenuity gone and check, checked out this riverbed where they think they might be the fossils? Of alien life? No, so it, it, it kind of travels fairly close to the rover, so it's not in out areas as the rover Timid. travels. Um, <laughs> I think the the delta is, I think, three or four kilometres away. Okay. So it's going to take another couple of months to get there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's providing a lot of really valuable information for the rover as it travels too. How long does it take to, to fire the information back to Earth from Mars? Um, it depends. I mean, a signal can take you know anywhere between five minutes half an hour from Mars depending on the location. It's still quite amazing time. really isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's more the speeds of the actual data because you know it sends photos and you know, all the information it gets but we're talking close to dial up speed so mm. um, it, signal can take not too long but in terms of getting you know data it can take a couple of days typically. Mm. Right, right. Now Josh the next news item is that the sun has erupted with a massive solar flare but thank goodness it wasn't pointed in Earth's direction. Yeah, I think we dodged a, a metaphorical bullet with, with that one. Okay, I mean, what are the dangers of solar flares for mankind? Oh, John! John! <laughs> tell him, Josh, tell him. <laughs> well, the dangers are... Um, well, basically, these things call, create what we call geomagnetic storms. So this is something you often associate with the aurora. So when we get really strong oh, yeah. um, solar activity, beautiful. the aurora gets quite strong. Yeah, super beautiful. It's kind of like a really nice effect of solar activity. But um, the dangers of that is, you know, if we had a really large solar flare, which seems like this one was, um, if those ever are pointed directly at Earth and then hit us with, you know, our modern technology today, that can be really disruptive and mm. potentially catastrophic, you know. It's not. Um, you've been around the bush of it, Josh. Tell them get, get down to the guts of it. It could shut everything. Oh, satellites could shut down. The, the electromagnetic pulse could shut every single piece of electrical equipment down, couldn't it? Isn't that what they say? Isn't that what the movie? That's what the movies would suggest. Well, a similar event actually. A funny story. It's not funny. It's more of a scary story. Is, um, in the 1800s, there was a really large solar flare called the Carrington event, um, and that kind of smashed into Earth. But back in the 1800s, we didn't have all of that electricity. See, they were smarter back then. They didn't. They decided not to invent the tech. They decided to wait till after <laughs> that to invent the tech. <laughs> I think the only thing it affected was um, like Morse code machines. I don't know the name for them. Um, but yeah, I mean. The, Back then in the 1800s, they were reporting that they could see the aurora from the equator, like around Hawaii. Um, So you can imagine if something like that happened today, that would, you know, just knock power grids offline. It would destroy a lot of infrastructure like satellites, for example, GPS, all of the stuff that we rely on. So, yeah, it's just a reminder that the sun is really unpredictable and quite powerful. I guess when something like when we see something that like that from our vantage point, having the technology to see it, it must be a bit of a phew for all those people mm. that don't know just how gnarly it could be. You know, that must be yeah, totally. And that's the thing because back in the 1800s, they didn't know, you know, they didn't have that technology to observe the sun and see those things. But nowadays we do. Um, but I also think it's probably also even more scary because. You know, these big solar flares, if we did happen to observe one and say, hey, it's going to hit us in, you know, five days or whatever, there's not really a huge amount we can do. Mm. You know, we can shut off, you know, most there's, of there's a There's a, 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 an English BBC drama I watched maybe about a year ago. Could Something to do with, uh, maybe it's called Cobra or something like that, but it was about, about a solar flare hitting, shutting mm. down a whole bunch of, like, um, capabilities. 
in the in, yeah. in the modern world. It was pretty scary. It's pretty scary. And you know, like you say, though, in the old days, we'd be like, "Hey, look at that! Look at the aurora! That's really, you know, next <laughs> yeah. that." Until, you know, Probably, no, yeah. no, no time to pick a pick a favorite playlist or a, you know. See you later, Spotify. Or quickly run around to your Fine. girlfriends or something like you know, like exactly. Mm. You know? Back to listening yeah. to your Neil Young. Vinyls. See you later, Spotify. Exactly, John. <laughs> That'd be the number one concern. Now, um, related to the above story. Uh, some satellites have been impacted by a solar flare. Yeah, so exactly this kind of issue we're talking about is um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, SpaceX, they launched um, some more of their Starlink satellites. Some more um, of their Starlink ones? More of them, yeah. But, um, you know, Mother Nature kind of hit back and said, no, you're not going to do that and destroy them with a solar flare. Really? Is it, they're, um, quite, they're quite small. Like, they're quite, like, as far as satellites go, they're, quite, they're you know, pretty flimsy and tiny little things really, aren't they? Yeah, they, they say they're like briefcase size, so they're not, they're not massive. It's know, a creepy th- it was a creepy like. thing to be to, to compare it to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who thought of the briefcase. I'd say size pillow size, size, wouldn't you? So, wouldn't that be a nice way to say something like that? Briefcase yeah, size just sounds like it's riddled with danger. Yeah, yeah. Mm, it's got a bomb inside it. <laughs> <laughs> Unattended baggage um, size. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, in New Zealand baggage size. Um, but yeah, these, they launched a bunch of these satellites and they were in the quite a low orbit um, before they were sending them up to a higher orbit. And during that time, um, another much smaller storm hit the Earth. And it's basically, sometimes when these storms hit the Earth or the atmosphere of the Earth, they can actually heat up the atmosphere. And the heating of the atmosphere caused um, atmospheric drag on the satellites. So they Woo-hoo, were... Woohoo! Atmospheric drag! Of the air. It's pretty good. And then, um, yeah, they lost 40 of them, so they, they deorbited and burnt up or were going to in the next couple of Sorry, weeks. Sorry, what day was this? What day? A week and a half ago? Um, they started, I think, about a week and a half ago. Okay. They started to fall down. Um, but, yeah, the, the 40 of them, I'm not sure exactly when the next one's going to be, but, yeah, well, they've lost 40 of them. How so. many of them do they have up there running at the moment? Like, a lot more than I thought they did when I saw Oh, them. yeah, I think, uh, don't copy the number, but I think it's just under 2,000. It's um, a gross amount of yeah, space junk. There's a lot of space junk, but um, but um, yeah. apparently quite good internet if you logged into it. Oh, it's great internet. Um, yeah. I know a couple of them have the, the terminals. So. <laughs> do, do, they, do they have it just because just because they can, or because it's cause, and cause it feels like the future, or do they have it? Oh, I, they yeah, it? I think so on, I think the people that I know that have it, they like Elon Musk fanboys, so they'll yeah. be <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to yeah. tell you if it's shit anyway, are they? <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, it's the best internet I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, they, yeah, speaking of the sun, what happened to the, you know, that probe that took that amazing footage? In this that that man-made probe that took that footage mm, seat back probe, from yeah. from inside the um the corona of the sun, how was mm. that? that? That was amazing. Eh? Just a couple of was it maybe a month ago. That was just yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. What's that thing doing now? Is that just burned up or is it finished? Or is it, where's it where's it off to? No, it's it's still going. It's actually now getting closer and closer. So every time it passes um, the planets and the sun, it's actually getting closer to the sun. So we're actually going to get more of those really incredible videos, um, even closer, which is so impressive. Part of me thinks that's sort of like touching the very eye of God, though. Be careful, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's very sunshine, Solaris. Type yeah. <laughs> wow, uh, how exciting space all of a sudden. Wow. Mm. Ooh, ooh. Now, Josh, what's, co- what's coming up on uh, the cards at... The Stardom. Any... Beautiful air-conditioned, pretend it's the night sky Stardom. Hmm. Oh, it's, it's honestly been sitting in the office all day. I don't want to go outside. Um, yeah, we have, we got a promo at the moment. We're doing... Um, do you guys know Happy Boy, the restaurant in Rolo? Yes, I certainly do. Yes, it's right near... Yeah, it's we're doing home. a little um, uh, promo because they're just down the road from us. So um, if any dinner you get from them, you get 10% off your ticket at Stardom. So you can go have dinner there, come watch the stars with us here. 
Um, yeah, and we've got our Wednesday to Sunday night Sky shows, which are pretty, doing pretty well at the moment. So, yeah, a couple of things on. What about for the wee kiddies? Uh, we've got a weekend show. So we do shows um, almost on the hour over the weekends. Um, and then, of course, as we get into April, in a couple of months, we'll have a school holiday program. So, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Awesome. It's hey. just in the beautiful Cornwall Park there. It's so nice here. Yeah, it's beautiful. All right, Josh. Well, uh, thank you very much for spaced out this evening. We'll check in with you in a fortnight's time, brother. All right. No worries. See you in two weeks. Hey. All right. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium.